0: Welcome everyone to the Courageous Truth Podcast. As always, I am humbled that you have chosen to spend a little bit of time with me today. These particular episodes are episodes that I am re-airing from my church podcast, Courageous Generation Church in Washington State, and it is a chapter by chapter, sometimes multiple chapters at a time teachings through the book of Revelation. We began as a teaching series, and then it became a discussion series as we got into the summer. So I'm going to start airing these about once a week, and I hope it blesses you. I I know a lot of people, even if you don't follow Jesus, you don't claim to be a Jesus follower, this book of, of the Bible should be of particular interest to you, as you will see how we are seeing things happen in a biblical manner nothing is catching god off surprise anyway i hope these bless you if you want to know what chapter of revelation is being taught this week please look at the title and it will tell you but anyway i hope this blesses you challenges you inspires you to continue to take a courageous stand for the truth
1: the Courageous Truth Podcast, where we strive to live courageously through the lens of scripture and build courageous lives in a world that is driven by fear. Your host is a proud parent, a proud pastor, a proud business owner, and a proud American. Tune in today for your dose of Courageous Truth, and now your host, Eric
0: Lundberg. So before we get into this, um, I'm going to read a statement and the reason why I make these like statements is just because like it helps me like communicate my heart from a pastoral perspective. I'm just sitting there eating a brownie. Movie time. <laughs> All right, here it goes. He's like, "Daddy's gonna entertain me." No, I'm not. You know that. But anyway, so I, I make these statements to uh, to condense some thoughts that that I have as a pastor, and I think it's it's a better way to communicate to. To you guys, kind of how I feel about certain issues, Uh, and so this one is no different. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'm going to make this statement. I might even put it on social media unless one of you advises me not to. So uh, here's a statement. I'll read it real quick, and we'll get into this. Uh, Over the past few weeks, I have kept a close and prayerful eye on the looming decisions Coming from the Supreme Court in our nation's capital, the tragic and immoral Roe v. Wade, a decision that legalized the slaughter of unborn babies nationally is poised to be overturned. And with this possibility, the spiritual warfare is raging. As a pastor, I've become more and more concerned with the growing number of Christ followers that are publicly condemning this potential outcome. This is perplexing to me that any Bible believing Christian can anything but celebrate this as a victory, albeit a small one. Abortion is an absolute abomination to God. Abortion is one of the most torturous and brutal acts of murder in human history. It is demonic in every way from its ideology to its execution. Public government schools teach this as a safe and healthy alternative to pregnancy, and our federal government, the most pro-abortion administration in American history, promotes funds and defend it. Planned Parenthood, one of the abortion pioneers, built their industry on the ideology of genocide, primarily in the African American community, with the intent to destroy an entire people. Abortion activists and promoters are literally Hell-bent on removing the God-given right to life from unborn babies and degrade them to terms like clumps of cells and fetus matter. They use woman's right to choose as their platform and spread their demonic ideology with intimidation, manipulation, and bully tactics. This is the manifestation of the spiritual attack on the innocent. As followers of Jesus, the time is upon us to stand strong against abortion, and stand up for the innocent. Life is always, always, always the right choice, even in tragic and heartbreaking instances of rape and incest. We are facing a sin issue, a morality issue, and a spiritual issue. I strongly believe Jesus' followers must be unapologetic in our stand, vocal with our beliefs, and responsible with our votes, not breaking, backing down from offending sin or the agenda of those who partner with and support this evil. Now, I do believe in grace, healing, forgiveness, and wholeness for anyone who has an abortion or who has participated in it. I also believe that every child that has been killed by an abortion is ushered into heaven to be in the presence of Jesus. As the church, we have an opportunity to be pillars of morality and righteousness in our world and shine the light of Jesus. We must show grace when needed, and courage when called upon. This is an evil attack on our children and the innocent and we cannot be silent. Every child victimized by abortion is robbed of the opportunity to know the beautiful saving grace of Jesus and his redemption in the world. It is our mandate as Christians to stand for life. Life is always the righteous choice and the value of human life comes from God alone. If you have any questions about that statement, uh, please let me know and I will answer them afterwards. Okay. Here we go, back into this hope Revealed, the book of Revelation. Now, um, a couple of announcements. So next week, we're gonna have our kids' service. Um, I will have to post the lessons online tomorrow because I had some issues with my printer, printed out the wrong one, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so that will be next week. It'll be a kids' service. Two weeks from today, uh, missionary Leah Brooks will be with us. She's gonna talk in detail about her time spent over in Tanzania. I believe she was there for at least five years living amongst the Maasai people, and she'll be here. Um, We are gonna have a love offering, so I would encourage you, talk with your spouse, look at your budget, pray, and let's sow into this ministry. And we'll have more information on that the night of. Um, Babe, did we wanna, like, if they want it to be tax deductible? uh, I will have that information next week. Because I have to, basically, if you want a tax deductible, we, we can either, I need to know if Leah, which I haven't, I don't have that information yet. So if you want a tax deduction, we can get it for you. I just need to know the avenue to do it. Okay? Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Anyway, going back from there. Okay, so uh, we're going to go into uh, the book of Revelation here, and we're going to talk about, I think, like, Something that is interesting to learn about, okay? I want to make a quick disclaimer about it. Uh, I am going to be presenting my best interpretation of Scripture. I'm not trying to sway you, and if anything, I'm trying to encourage you to dig deeper into God's Word for yourself. Now, the rapture is important because the Bible talks about it. Jesus taught about it, Paul kind of expanded upon it, and John again talks about it in the book of Revelation, okay? So, those are the things I think it's important. If God's gonna talk about it, let's talk about it. And like I said before, I'm not sovereign, I'm not God, but I am going to present to you scriptures and, uh, of what, what I feel personally is how this is gonna play out. So, um, that's it. So if you have any questions about it, there you go. Like I'm not trying to disprove other theories. I don't, I don't really have a theory on the rapture. I just have scripture and that's what I believe uh, how it's going to, how it's going to play out. So let me read the text we're going to talk about and uh, then we'll get into this. So after this, this is uh revelations chapter four. We're just going to read two verses it says this. So we know we've gone through all the different letters Uh, The seven letters to all the different churches now at this point this scripture right here everything transitions in this book Fascinating point right here because we were talking about dates and cities and history and actual places and, and, and Actual people and names and things that were actually happening But now the scene is shifting from earth into heaven The Bible says this after this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Now this chapter goes on for about 14 verses and it talks about what's going on in the throne room and the elders and we'll, we'll get into that. But I think that it's very important uh, to, to kind of use this as a transition because it helps the rest of the book make sense, especially when it gets into things like these trumpet judgments, these, these bowls of wrath, these seals. It helps it make sense. The 144,000 helps it make sense. So um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into it for a couple minutes and then we'll cut everybody loose. So Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to open your word. I pray that you would use me to bring clarity To your word, to your scripture, let me be a mouthpiece this evening uh, to just draw us all into a deeper relationship with you and a more passionate hunger for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a kid, uh, I didn't have like Super Nintendo because my parents were mean, right? So I had jigsaw puzzles a lot and my cousin had all the Super Nintendos and all the cool stuff. And I didn't have any of that cool stuff. But the only way I was able to get him away from his Super Nintendo and come to my house to hang out with me is to do jigsaw puzzle museums. And what we would do is we would spend all day putting together jigsaw puzzles on my kitchen floor and my living room floor. And we we'd probably put together five or six, piece, 500 piece, you know, big, small, little, we just do that all day, it was tons of fun. But I was really good at it, and my brother, who's a couple years younger than me, was really bad at it, and he was terrible. And he would get mad if I would put too many together, and he would take pieces from the puzzle I was working on, and I'm not kidding, he would throw it in the air vent duct. (laughs) And when we would clean out the air vector, my dad did, you can ask him, he would find jigsaw puzzle pieces in there, and that was, that was my brother. He would hide him from me. So I would get close to the end of that jigsaw puzzle, and I'd be missing pieces. And I'd be like, this is incomplete. I don't know. I can't. I know what it's supposed to look like, but I don't have all of the pieces. And I think that uh, when it comes to Bible prophecy, it can be a lot that way. Where we have a lot. We know the main what's going to happen, but there's pieces that are missing. And I believe God reveals them to us in the proper time, but he cares enough about us to reveal as much as he wants to. Like this whole book, you look at the book of Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Bible prophecy, Isaiah. uh, uh, There's so much Bible prophecy that shows that God wants to entrust us with that information, even though it is going to happen in the future. So there is definitely so much value there. But before we get into this, I do wanna do a little bit of uh, review. So uh, Revelations chapter one, one through three, I'm just gonna read this out. I don't have a slide for this one, but it says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which this is uh, Revelations chapter one, verse one through three. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. He's introducing and then he goes into a vision, then he writes these letters, and then he goes into a massive trip to heaven, and he gets uh, this whole sequence of events unveiled to him spiritually. Now, the reason for this epistle uh, is, it's very clear, and it's written right here. To show God's servants what must take place. So John has this vision of Jesus, which we'll review in just a minute, and then God says, look, Write these letters, get them right, get these churches right. At least give them the opportunity to get aligned with me because what's going to happen, uh, they're going to need to be in right standing with me. So, just a reminder as well John had a vision of the glorified Jesus. Now, John has the spiritual authority entrusted him by the Holy Spirit to share these things, he's not writing on his own accord. And I think that the way he writes this book just proves it and the way every single verse points to Jesus. Because imagine writing this, people aren't going to believe you. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? You know, if you've read the book of Revelation, there's some stuff in here and you're like, none of it makes any sense. You're talking about seven headed beasts and you're talking about, you know, all this stuff and a smaller beast coming out of the sea and like, dude, what kind of drugs are you doing? But. He does have the spiritual authority, and I believe that it's proven so much in the way he writes specifically to each of the churches and the context that they're ministering in. Yeah, and I mean, imagine being in the church and getting one of those you know, uh, corrections, and you're like, that is de- there's no way you could have known that, but we're doing that. So, and remember, John has a vision of the glorified Jesus. Now, not the Jesus that walked on the earth, not the, not the humble servant, but the glorified king. There's seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands was the son of man. Long robe, golden sash, white hair, eyes of flame of fire, feet like bronze, bronze, voice like rushing water, held seven stars, and a double two-edged sword came out of his mouth, and his face shone like the sun. Jesus is showing himself the soon and coming king. And he wants to get the church right because he's coming, and he wants us to be ready for that. Because he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 says this. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen. Write what you've seen. Write the things that are. So he wrote about the vision he saw. Then he writes what's currently happening in all those churches that the only way he could have known is by the revelation of the Holy Spirit and those things that are to take place. John is to write the vision just as he saw. So everything he sees, he writes it down. And the letters to the churches that Jesus is about to share with him and the vision which he is about to engage in. And so we're just gonna look at two words really today. And that's the first two words of this verse. And it says, after this. After this, what does John mean by this after this? So I want you to remember those words. We're gonna take a look right now at some of the things that we're gonna be discussing over the next couple of weeks. And we'll go through it quickly. Like I'm not gonna take like two months to talk about one one of these things, but I think enough so that we have a good idea of what this book is talking about. We're gonna talk a little bit tonight on the uh, imminent rapture of the church. We'll talk about the uh, seven-year tribulation, or Jacob's sorrow, as it's called. Trumpets, bowls, and seals. There's seven of each. And then there's a cast of characters that comes in this book that's talked about throughout the rest of Bible prophecy. And that's the person of the Antichrist. That's the false prophet. That's Satan. That's 144,000 sealed by God and two witnesses. We are going to talk about the second coming of Christ, which is different than the rapture. We're going to talk about heaven, yay, and we're going to talk about hell, boo, but we're also going to talk about the millennial reign of Christ and then eternity, the new heaven and the new earth, not in one week, but over the next coming weeks. So we're going to talk a little bit about the rapture of the church. So we're going to look at this timeline here, okay? So we have really before this timeline, let's see if it might, there we go, uh, We have the first coming of Christ, which was his birth. And then we have his ministry. Then we have the cross, death, burial, resurrection. Then Pentecost happens. And then what happens is the age of the church. And we don't know. This is where we're at right now. It could be another five minutes. It could be another 5,000 years. We don't know. Uh, And then at that point somewhere, the rapture is going to happen. When that rapture happens, there will be a seven-year tribulation And after that moment, that's when the second coming of Jesus will come. Millennial reign for a thousand years on the earth, Satan bound in the bottomless pit. Then he comes out, loosed on the earth again, and guess what? He goes down without much of a fight. Uh, And then we enter into the eternal age. Now, the rapture of the church. Now, there's a lot of stigma about the rapture of the church. A lot of people don't like talking about it because it's been taught so irresponsibly. Back in the 70s, I believe, a lot of people thought the rapture was going to happen like any moment. So there was this massive movement of people that weren't paying their mortgages, they weren't paying their taxes, they were just letting everything go because they're like, rapture is going to happen any minute. You know, I guess kind of that Jesus people movement. Well, surprise when it didn't happen. <laughs> you didn't pay your rent. You didn't do all this stuff. So like a lot of people got afraid. I don't want to talk about this because, you know, of how irresponsible people responded to some teachings. Okay. Now, the, the word rapture is derived from the word rapire. I believe I'm saying that right, which is a Latin word that's used in the Latin Vulgate Bible. Now, the Bible was held in Latin for a long time because the Roman Catholic Church didn't want people reading the Bible. And so they could use it and, and abuse it and do what they wanted. And then, of course, it was translated into German and then it, it spread out from there. But that's it. the Bible was in Latin for a long time. And this word means to catch up, to snatch away, or to take out. Now... Let's look at this verse in the book of 1 Thessalonians, this verse right here, okay? It says, for the Lord, this is Paul writing, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. And it's always good to go back and read the entire uh, chapter, we just don't have the time, but to get the entire context of what's going on around it. A lot of end times theology comes from the letters to the Thessalonians One of the main things we got to remember is encourage one another with these words. This is meant to be a verse of encouragement. There is, you could write books. We could spend the rest of the decade on this verse right here, okay? But what it says is we will be caught up. In other words, rapture or rapture. We will be raptured up together with them in the clouds. So this is not the second coming of Jesus. This is an event, and this event will be the most supernaturally amazing event the world has ever known. And it will prove to people that Jesus is the King. Now, I don't know what the media will be like at this point, but I'm sure they'll spin it in some way, you know. But now, when I was a kid, I visualized this this way. We're all gonna like zero gravity, float up in the air, which would be cool, I don't know if that's what's gonna happen. Now, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he, you know, he started to ascend and then a cloud came. I don't know if he was 10 feet off the ground, 15, one foot. But what happened was, is he was caught up in the, cloud, the glory cloud of God and transported into heaven. And that way the Holy Spirit could come. So, what we know is there will be a time when God comes, and we will meet together with Christ. There will be a generation that does not pass away. Now, we need, here's a few things that we need to remember when we think about this thing. Because it can be overwhelming because it's like, do I even really believe this? You know? Number one thing we need to remember is we need to always keep our eyes on the Lord, not after this event not after this theology, not after these reasonings, because you can spend your whole life pursuing the the teachings and thinking of the rapture, and then you miss out on the purpose that we have down here on earth, okay? So, keep our eyes on the Lord, on the right things, and we're gonna be reunited with God anyway, whether we happen to be a part of the rapture, or we've already passed and are with an eternity with God already. At one point, we're gonna be seeing this thing from one side or the other, as long as we're not on earth when it happens, because that means we missed something pretty big. Now, and I'm gonna say this a few different times. When this happens, according to scripture, the church will be saved from the wrath of God. In the book of Revelation, starting in about chapter six through about 19, God starts to give, He starts to reveal to John some of the things that are going to happen during this seven year tribulation. So this is a time when the wrath of God is being poured out on the earth. And I'll say it about four more times. The wrath of God is not for the church. Okay. The wrath of God is not for the church. That's what we were died. And that's what we were redeemed from our punishment. Exactly. Okay. Now, our hope is in a guaranteed reunion with Jesus, not the event of the rapture. It's cool to talk about. It. I think we should all listen to some teaching. I've done a lot of study over the past six months about it. I think it's important. But we, our, our, our hope is in the reunion with Jesus, the fact that we will be in Jesus at one point. That's the hope, that's the message of all this, okay? We will be with Jesus from either side of this event. <coughs> now here's some reasons to consider the rapture why would i consider the rapture i'm going to read three scriptures there's a lot of scriptures i'm sorry but first thessalonians 1 9-10 says for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turn to god from idols to serve the living and true god and wait for his son from heaven who he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. In other words, that wrath is coming. It talks about it very clearly in scripture, but he is going to deliver us from that wrath. That wrath is not for us as followers of Jesus. He rescues us from that wrath. And we're starting to see, a. uh, okay, I don't want to get into that. Romans 5.9. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Again, because of the blood of Jesus, we escape the wrath of God. And then finally this, and this is an interesting one. There's a lot here. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 9. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. How many of you would agree there's some lawless spirits in the land? Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Now, I'm gonna, I, I just want to show you one thing in this. It says, for the mystery of the lawless one is already at work. We know that only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way the prayers of the saints the church have been commissioned to what push back the gates of hell the forces of darkness with our worship with our intercession with our serving with all those things and the law and until he is out of the way and then the lawless one will be revealed okay satan does not know any of these timelines he knows what's going to happen but he doesn't know any of the timelines beyond you and me so john talked about in first john that there had already been antichrist spirits released into the world that satan is using to prepare because satan knows something that's coming but he doesn't know the timeline he doesn't have the authority he's just a pawn okay when the church is removed imagine the world without the church Imagine the world without a praying church, a a truth-believing church, standing against the forces of darkness. They act like they hate us. They act like they don't like us. They scoff at us. But imagine if we're gone. That is going to be a scary place. And when the church is gone, the lawless one will be revealed. And, of course, whom Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. In other words, Jesus ain't worried about him. Okay? And bring to nothing by the appearance of his... This is just what a what a like what a mock like this is such a a flex on Satan, right? Okay, by the way, when I take the church out, it's gonna be worse for you. So um, then the coming lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all powers, false signs, and wonders. In other words, when the Antichrist is revealed and he, he raises to power, it comes by Satan, false signs, false wonders, false peace, false power. Okay? Now Here we go. So that is some scriptural to consider when studying the rapture, okay? Now think about some biblical, I'm almost done, biblical symbolism, okay? Noah and the ark. The wrath of God came upon the world and God was sorry that he made mankind, but yet Noah was righteous, the only righteous man in the earth. And so he protected him and put him in a boat, and he escaped the wrath and punishment of God. That's some biblical symbolism to consider. Then of course, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was wicked, sexually immoral. They were just uh, uh, just uh, degenerate, just debaucherous, just this horrible place. And God delivered Lot out of that wrath, out of that punishment. And then of course, there's the parable of the 10 virgins to consider. Okay. There was 10 virgins, some were ready, some were not ready. And when the groom came, the virgins that had the oil and that were ready were invited to the feast. And then logical evidence, logical things to consider. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Very briefly to explain, in, in Jewish tradition, uh, it was very, very common for the bride and the groom to have their wedding be pronounced man and wife, and then for seven days be locked away to consummate the marriage, to celebrate the marriage just then. And then after that seven day period, the, the, they would be released to have the uh, wedding celebration with friends and family, okay? Now, if you, if you look at it, and I'm just presenting this to you for you to consider, Uh, If you look at it from that type of perspective, they understood, these people understood this type of marriage celebration. So when they hear about the marriage supper of the Lamb, which the Bible talks about, they would think, okay, there's going to be a great celebration after seven days or seven years. That number seven is symbolic, okay? Now, why would, it's very clear that there'll be seven years of wrath. Why would God put his bride through seven years of wrath, and then bring them up. I'm just presenting to you. Bring them up into heaven to have a, a, a marriage supper with them. Okay? That's just a thought. And then, of course, again, wrath versus discipline. God disciplines those he loves. We are subjected to the discipline of God, not the wrath of God. A lot of the, the, the pain and suffering that we go through here on earth is a result of sin. Okay? Okay? Like, like I was driving down uh, 224th in Meridian. There was all these people standing there, justice for somebody. And I pulled over and asked them, I didn't know what was going on. Someone they knew had been murdered. Okay, that is a result of sin in the earth. Okay, almost done. <clears throat> and then finally, the imminent return, which means we don't know when it's gonna happen. So if, like, there's a few things that we know about the seven-year tribulation will be done in about five minutes what we do know is the antichrist will rise to power and he will be loved by the world he will promise peace he will promise prosperity he will promise all these things none of them is any of the presidents just how it is okay he will be loved by the world he will sign a peace treaty with Israel which he will later break so it seems like he's bringing all this piece. Now, if we know as God's people what's happening, then we can start to predict the timeline, which we cannot, we should not. We have no business. We don't have the authority to know the timeline of God. We also know that there will be a, temp, a new temple built in Jerusalem. Now, Revelation 3.3, 3, we just went over this a couple of weeks. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I am coming against you. In other words, this church, like everyone, is given the opportunity to repent. And if we repent, we're good. But if we refuse to repent and we refuse, then when God comes like a thief, because we don't know, we are going to have to suffer that wrath on this side of eternity or in the tribulation. Okay, One of those. Matthew 24, 39 through 44 says this. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the son of man. Then two men will be the field. This is Jesus talking right here. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. Therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming your lord is coming my lord is coming he's coming to come and to take the church and deliver us from the punishment that we all deserve how many of you know the wrath this book talks about we all deserve it we all deserve it but he has come to redeem us from that now here's the deal we strengthen our faith when we surrender our need to know and predict the timeline of God. There's so much faith when we surrender everything to Him. God, I don't need to know. And this goes for every area of our lives. When is my kids coming back to the Lord? You know, when am I gonna get this job? When am I gonna do, when we surrender all these things to the Lord, our faith is strengthened. And that's the kind of people we want to be. We wanna be people of faith. So, the idea here today was to take a look and consider the fact that this event will happen. I don't know exactly what it's gonna look like. I don't know if we're gonna float up in the air like floaters, you know? I don't know if we're just gonna, like, I don't know. We don't know, but one thing we do know and, and is scripture talks about Jesus coming for the church. He talks about rescuing us from the wrath that this book talks about. He talks about preserving his church, celebrating with his church, having an eternal home for his church. Now, the more time passes in human history, the more puzzle pieces are put together. Imagine living when the Holocaust was around. Like, that's gotta be it. Jesus has got to be coming back. The Holocaust, this is terrible. All these Jews are being slaughtered, worldwide chaos, World War II, World War I. God's gotta be coming back at some time. The Great Depression, people are starving everywhere. Like, God has gotta be coming back you know, but we learn more and more and more. And God alone holds the final pieces to the puzzle. The next thing is, if almost one third of scripture is prophecy, it's important to God. It's important to God that he would reveal this stuff to us for us to study and learn and and show ourselves approved and seek after him to understand some of these things. And then finally, the unfolding of the end time should fill us with hope and awe Of God if this doesn't put awe of God in you this doesn't put the fear of God inside of us and fill us with hope because we are rescued from these things I mean he's it's very specific in these coming chapters about what's going to happen and we are rescued from those things how great is our God that he gives us an opportunity to be free from that to be rescued from that coming wrath that's amazing no other God does that the other God's like I'll just punish you you know But this is amazing. A couple of challenge questions and a little homework. In what ways am I living rapture ready? Where, Where am I not? If Jesus was coming back for his church tomorrow, which we never know. Like all this wrath that's coming, we need to warn those we love. We need to warn people. We need to teach our kids so they can teach their kids that this is what The Bible talks about in the end times. It's not the movie with John Cusack 2012 or whatever. Okay, this is something that's actually predicted and taught about because God wants to rescue as many people out of it as he can. Why else would he put it in there? He's telling you his plan world. Come and look and see and be rescued from it. How can I be more how can I develop better spiritual disciplines to study God's word? I should like tattoo this on my mirror so I can look at it five times a day. How am I developing spiritual disciplines to study God's word better? More, you know, more efficiently. How can I develop those habits? Just a challenge, just a question. There's so much here. There was a lot of scripture tonight. There was a lot of woo, woo, like it's mind-boggling. You know, it's 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 a lot. But I think it's important And my prayer is that it challenges all of us to study God's word a little bit more. And where am I seeing the signs of the time in culture? When we look at the world like this.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Courageous Truth Podcast. We live in a world that is in desperate need of courage and in desperate need of truth. Our prayer is that this podcast will equip and inspire you to live courageously for your family, your community your god and for your country be courageous in your stand for truth in a world that is completely abandoned see you next time right here at the courageous truth podcast remember truth requires courage